You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello and welcome to Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft where we unlock insights from the latest in news and research from across Microsoft security engineering and operations teams. I'm Nick Villingham. And I'm Natalia Gadilla. In each episode, we'll discuss the latest stories from Microsoft security, deep dive into the newest threat intel, research, and data science. And profile some of the fascinating people working on artificial intelligence in Microsoft security. And now, let's unlock the pod. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Security Unlocked. I have big news today before we start discussing the upcoming episode. We are officially part of the CyberWire podcast network. So you can find... Yeah, very exciting. You'll be able to find us on the CyberWire site. And for those who have just recently found us through the CyberWire site, welcome, welcome. We are thrilled. I mean, we have known of the CyberWire podcast network for some time. CyberWire is definitely a mainstay in the security industry and their podcasts are extremely influential and well done. So achievement unlocked for us. Yes. And if you haven't listened to the Security Unlocked podcast before, uh, as Natalia says, welcome. Super quick overview. Natalia and I are both Microsoft employees. In this podcast, we talk to other Microsoft employees that also work in security. But the amazing thing about Microsoft is there's literally thousands and thousands of different people working in security, all the way from data science through to security researchers and sort of everything in between. And this podcast is a vehicle for us to bring them on the mic and have them tell their stories, how do they get into security, and also have them share some of the amazing work they're doing. And again, as Natalia said, we're just so excited to be a part of the CyberWire. On the podcast today, Natalia, who do we have? So for episode 40. Did you say episode 40? I know, I had to plug it. I'm wearing my ruby encrusted uh, smoking jacket because that's 40 is celebrated through rubies, I think. Yeah, I think we need to add a video element to this podcast just so everyone can enjoy the ruby jacket as much as I am. (laughs) So we are joined by Sarah Armstrong-Smith, the Chief Security Advisor at Microsoft. She is joining us again to talk about the back half of her four-part series on building resilience. So in the first discussion on episode 38, we talked about talking cybersecurity with non-security professionals, how to frame the conversation, how to introduce cybersecurity. And in this episode, we transition a bit to a discussion on cloud. As per every episode, we'll have links to all of the uh, various posts and assets that are mentioned in the show notes. One of those things is the cloud adoption framework that we're going to spend some time talking about in this episode. It's a really valuable resource and I encourage you all to go check it out. But enough of us. How about we get on with the pod? On with the pod. Sarah Armstrong-Smith, welcome back to the Security Unlocked podcast. Thanks again for your time. Delighted to be back, Nick. Thank you. We only spoke to you just a a couple of weeks ago, um, but that first episode is out. I'd love to sort of know any feedback you got from from colleagues, from from peers, the the LinkedIn verse, uh, you know, what what were folks' thoughts on your perspective here on how to have security conversations with non-security people? Yeah, it was so positive. I had some really great feedback from people and it really resonated across the board. 
from security pros, business pros, all of those type of things. So I had a really interesting uh, conversation or a message from somebody actually to say, yeah, but what if, what if they don't listen? Can I just use the big stick to say my CEO told me so? (laughs) (laughs) Now, of course, that's an option. But really, if you just use the stick to try and get people to do things for you, are you really going to get the buy-in? So I, I think as much as possible, like we said, it's really about, you know, finding what's going to work for them, having the right conversation. And I'd probably say the last, last resort, if you really had to go down there, would say, because I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're trying to avoid that, particularly as we're the vendor, so that wouldn't go down too well, would it? But it's, it's great. It's really good for feedback. And I've actually had some people also saying they can't wait for part two. So here we are. Awesome. Well, yes, I'm excited for part two. And for those of you listening that don't really know what we're talking about, check your podcast queue, go go back a couple <laughs> episodes, episode one, uh, or I should say the first part of this conversation uh, with Sarah Armstrong-Smith, where we, we had a conversation about how do you have a, a cybersecurity conversation with folks uh, in your organization that don't understand this world? So maybe pause here, go back, listen to that episode <laughs> first, and then and then jump forward and listen to this one. Because today, what we're going to talk about is, okay, now you have this new toolkit, you have this new sort of language, you have this new sort of approach for how to have these conversations. We're going to talk about how do you go and land a conversation about adopting the cloud for security? And we are going to talk about the cloud adoption framework. We're also going to be referencing the parts three and four of your blog series, Sarah. So could you just tee that up for us? What's in parts three and part four? And then what are we going to discuss in today's episode? Yeah, so it's really around, you know, how do you actually frame cybersecurity from a risk perspective? So in part one, it was really about, you know, just what is risk? And that was quite a loaded question. Thanks for that, Nick. (laughs) But then it was really about, you know, how do you have those conversations with non-business people? So, and we used the real life example of ransomware. Um, And then into three and four, we pick up some other examples and then really try to bring it to life a little bit, as we sort of say. So assuming you're now on the same page, you understand the risk, you understand the what's on the horizon with some of these cyber threats, what's the kind of the so what, what should we be doing about it? And as we were talking about, you know, what is the benefit between staying on that on-premise environment, moving to the cloud? What's the advantages of being in the cloud? And then how do you adopt the cloud in the most efficient way that actually builds in security? So that's kind of what we're going to be delving into today. I think Sarah, the first question that we're gonna we're gonna tackle here, it's a very, very big one, but let let's <laughs> let's this this is gonna lay out the roadmap for the next you know thirty odd minutes of conversation. Why should you consider the cloud for security? Why is the cloud the 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 end goal, the the ultimate uh, in in creating a sort of a security architecture that is gonna work for your organization? Yeah, thanks for another loaded question, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> There's 30 minutes of that coming up. I'm just reminding you of that fact. So thanks for leading with that big open question. Uh, well, I think before one of the we get into that, <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Uh, 42, I think, is the answer to that. Yeah, <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In case people forget that reference as well. <laughs> Maybe we'll put that as part three, shall we? Part three, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the things we were talking about in the blog, really, and one of the things we're reflecting on part one, is just how adaptable the attackers are. 
and really how they're evolving their tactics and techniques. And so uh, a static technology-focused strategy on cybersecurity doesn't potentially give you the flexibility and agility to deal with these type of attacks. So let's give another example. So last time we talked about ransomware. So let's bring another example, which is quite topical, and it kind of brings this to life a little bit. Probably a few months ago, people remember the Hafnium Microsoft Exchange server attack, um, which was a nation state attack very much focused on exchange servers. Now, in this particular scenario, um, the attackers actually launched their attack from an on-premise um, environment. So this was not in the cloud. It was utilizing exchange servers or vulnerabilities in unpatched servers in particular to launch their attack and say, well, why? Why did you start an attack from an on-premise perspective? So one of the benefits and the from utilizing the cloud, uh, and we talk a lot about the shared responsibility model. So in that scenario, the infrastructure, the platform itself is actually managed by a cloud service provider uh, or Microsoft, as we're talking about. Now, every single day, we collect, process, analyze over 8 trillion signals. And that's coming from the cloud. It's coming through endpoints. It's coming through Bing, Xbox. And we're turning all of that into actual intelligence. So arguably, when you utilize the cloud, and obviously we're talking about Microsoft Cloud as an example here, you get the benefits of all of that threat intelligence, all of that capability built in, and all of that visibility that comes with it. So the reason why they therefore go to the on-premise in the data center is arguably because they can stay hidden for longer. Now, we go back to the kind of like, you know, what are they trying to do? So in, and they're still trying to elevate privilege. They're still trying to laterally move. They could be la- trying to move from the on-premise into the cloud environment. They're still trying to get access to data. So they're still trying to do all the things that we spoke about. But actually, if you're doing it all in an on-premise, it's all down to you to have to manage your security, manage all of the the patching, the servers, the governance, all of those things. So as we sort of said, one of the big advantages of utilizing the cloud is you have the power and size and agility and flexibility of the cloud service provider that comes with it. So that's kind of one of the big reasons why there's a benefit of moving to cloud. Obviously, that's not the only reason, but it's a big reason. So the threats to on-prem, that is just one of the many threats to your resiliency as an organization. But this is just one that you've outlined in a set of five recent cyber attack trends that organizations should be paying attention to. So could you walk us through a few of those other trends? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the uh, cyber criminals, as we sort of mentioned last time, will will use any which way into the organization. So last time we talked about, you know, they're utilizing phishing, credential theft. And with this particular scenario with the exchange, they were utilizing vulnerabilities in the servers. So we know there's a big challenge with a lot of our customers with just regarding patching. 
Um, and just in terms of maintaining legacy environments and, and keeping on top of all of those things and understanding those changes in the environments is incredibly hard. And this is where we're having to then think about, you know, many customers working in this hybrid environment. What does that mean? We've also seen a big increase in insider threat as well. And it's fair to say not all of them are malicious. Sometimes this can just be down to people making mistakes. And this has been quite prevalent, particularly with the uh, pandemic. More people working remotely, more people utilizing different devices, different policies, data, huge amounts of applications and services. And there's a little bit of frustration. So they may be downloading things off the internet that introduces shadow IT. And that just kind of re perpetuates a lot of the problems that we're talking about. And then we have issues with regards to you know, just the volume of attacks and the volume of alerts. We then have the kind of issues with analyst fatigue and security operations. So, you know, if you've got all these different attacks, you've got different devices, huge amounts of applications and services. And when you overlay the problems then of having multiple different tool sets and technologies, it's incredibly hard and difficult to stay on top of all of those things. So I think it's just fair to say that when we're talking about the environment, the environment we're working in, it's not just IT as well. We've also got the challenges with OT and IoT when we bring all that into scale as well. And the perimeter is just growing exponentially as well. So actually trying to just get visibility, understanding of all of those threats combined, you can see it's, it's a huge challenge for many organizations. I'm just going to pretend for a minute here. I'm a, I'm a security leader, right? And I have gone through the process of aligning with the business leaders in my organization. Um, we've aligned on the business risk, business priorities, and I am starting to apply that to my security strategy. How do I communicate that back to my team? So while I've learned how to think in a business language and to apply that to security, I, I want to still explain to my team why we're doing the work this way, why we've prioritized specific processes, workloads. How can I communicate that? And are there, are there challenges in ever trying to translate that back? So translating the business language back to the security practitioners in your team? It's really just trying to level playing field with regards to the understanding the why and the business motivation. And because as you sort of said, if the objective really is to just do cost saving, mm -hmm. are you going to get the best solution. So having a cost saving could be um, you know, one of the drivers behind um, what you're trying to do, but it's not mm -hmm. the only driver. Actually, when we see it as purely from a cost saving perspective, you're probably not going to get the full benefit of the cloud experience. So when we see customers looking at it from the, what's the advantages, what's the opportunities for me to innovate? Now, we know that and one of the best things about adopting the cloud is the agility, it's the flexibility, it's the speed in which that you can just spin up projects, you can do proof of concepts, you can run huge amounts of analytics, you can get insights into a lot of these things. And as soon as we start sort of showing the added value of that innovation, we're driving better customer experiences and engagement, we're able to open up new markets, we're able to test these new products and services, all 
of a sudden you're coming at it from a completely different perspective from just, you know, cost saving or reducing that kind of tech debt, as we were sort of saying, there's actually there's a huge amount of opportunity that comes with what we're trying to do. And it's just bringing people kind of on board with that. So it's kind of like, okay, we're going to we're going to transform, we're going to migrate Ideally, we'd, we'd want to then be exiting our data centers or, or at least reducing some of that infrastructure down and utilizing the cloud more. But we want to think, think about what, how is this going to benefit us in the long term? How do we get the longevity of this experience so it doesn't just feel like more cost that we're adding to the business? And I think the really exciting bit really does come down to when you can drive those business insights and data and those customer experiences and start to really take it to the next level, which I hopefully is, is really what the long game is with this. We all work for Microsoft, so so we have a we would we would love for you to consider uh, Azure and and Microsoft Security Solutions. But pretty much everything that you've said here is 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 sort of applicable, sort of regardless of vendor, especially if it's a very very large vendor that has the sort of scale and sophistication of of a company like Microsoft. We want to make sure that here on the on the podcast too, we're sort of being sort of somewhat agnostic. We 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 obviously want folks to consider Microsoft, but everything that you're saying, and please tell me if I'm wrong here, but everything you're saying about the benefits of the cloud and about how to better utilize the cloud really is sort of it is sort of agnostic, right? It's not just, you're not just talking about Azure. We, you know, we think Azure is great and does some great stuff, but the cloud <laughs> is really a superior architectural solution versus on-premise, especially for security and especially in this, this modern age. 100%. Yeah. So well, obviously we're talking about Azure, we're talking about M365 and also Dynamics in terms of when we talk about the Microsoft Cloud, it's kind of all three of those. But really what we're looking at is we've taken all of the lessons learned, we've taken all those best practices and, and looked at how can we help customers drive cloud adoption in the most efficient and best way. And it, therefore, it is completely technology agnostic when we're talking about cloud adoption. Um, and obviously, we built a framework about how to adopt that in a Microsoft environment. But as we touched on, you know, many customers are running hybrid or multi-cloud. So it's really about then how do you enable security, compliance, innovation, all of those things in that environment. So I think people sometimes misconstrued that when we're talking about Microsoft, we only manage Microsoft, <laughs> which actually isn't the case. So a lot of the capabilities that we have that are built into Azure and M365 actually enable customers to still run hybrid and multi-cloud, but run it from within the Azure environment. So there are actually huge opportunities to take advantage of. But really, as we're sort of saying, when we're talking about just how to have the conversation, you know, even before you've even selected what vendor you're going to have, you know, and we, you know, we've talked about um, you can utilize Azure, Amazon, Google, kind of the, the big ones there. And it's not a case of either or, you know, it could be that you want to utilize different cloud services and applications and technologies to do different things. And that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> But really what we're sort of saying is just do it in the right way for the right reasons. But I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be biased and say, actually, our, our security capability is pretty cool. <laughs> so <laughs> why wouldn't you want to base it on Azure? So can you talk a little bit about the differences in, in cloud models? So 100% cloud, hybrid, how you think about adopting those, how you think about securing them? 
Yeah, and I, I think it kind of comes down to, um, first of all, understanding the scenario that you're going for with regards to what are you trying to do? How are you trying to do it? Is it about cost saving? And we're trying to do alignment. So we've seen a lot of companies that have actually trying to move away from their big, clunky, bespoke applications. We've still got a number of customers that are running on mainframes, believe it or not. And they just seen huge advantages from taking advantage of software as a service, for example. Mm-hmm. So being able to utilize, you know, lots of different cloud applications that then moves them away from having to just bespoke different things. Uh, and some of the customers, they want to keep control over what they're doing and how they're doing it. So for them, it's about infrastructure of a service. But we see a lot of the benefit really from if it's just a lift and shift. So what I'm sort of saying is just taking all the data and all of the services in your on-premise world and moving it to the cloud. That's one example, and you can do that, but that's probably not going to give you the best advantage. So there's actually a huge amount of opportunities to even streamline your data, to get some insights on the data, and we can even run analytics across the type of data you've got, how it's being utilized, if there are opportunities to archive it or even delete it before you move it to the cloud. So I think there's it's really trying to understand the scenario and what you're trying to do to see where you can leverage the most value. So there are there's lots of different options dependent on what it is you're trying to achieve. The further you kind of move up from that infrastructure of a service to platform up to that kind of software as a service, obviously it's all cloud enabled, but it just gives you a lot more efficiencies. There's a lot more built-in capability, which ultimately means that you don't have to sit there and design it and build it yourself. (laughs) And I think one of the advantages are, therefore, is just, as we sort of say, speed. The speed is of the essence in terms of your ability to speed up your development time, get these products to market, do lots of innovative things, and just get your people working on the really cool, interesting projects. And I think that, and we say the same for security as well. So if we can remove some of the kind of the day-to-day blockers and the fatigue that they may get from these constant alerts. And obviously, when we're looking at security at scale and the value that the cloud provides, what we're trying to do is is automate and block known threats as much as possible across the entire estate so that we're trying to get these really high fidelity, the real interesting things in front of the analyst. I wonder if this is a good time, Sarah, to sort of switch over a bit more sort of directly to the cloud adoption framework. So we've mentioned it a few times. So if you go to, and we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's up on the docs.microsoft.com site, which is a pretty amazing site if you haven't spent much time in, in docs. There's a lot of fascinating frameworks and, and architecture and, and information there really on, on sort of everything, not just Microsoft related. But go to docs, search for uh, the cloud adoption framework, and then it's a really really comprehensive uh, <laughs> set of, of documentation here. The cloud adoption framework, who is it for? Is it for the security professional? Is it for the security leader? Is it for the CEO? Who utilizes this and how? And and sort of putting that into perspective with what we're sort of talking about here. So we're trying to help security professionals and maybe even security decision leaders convince, really, uh, or, or influence their leadership to adopt the cloud. And as you say, move probably from IaaS to platform and then ultimately to sort of full cloud or hybrid cloud. How should they be utilizing the cloud adoption framework? Who's it for and where do you recommend they start? Well, what we've done is from a different 
perspectives as you try to say for first of all we've tried to keep it as agnostic as possible so we're not going too deep into the technology per se we're trying to make sure that we are talking generically with regards to the cloud adoption and how to do it and those type of things so it's it's really written to be as straightforward and in plain english as possible and when we're talking about the best practices and the documentation and the tools and those type of things we're really looking at it from a number of different perspectives so we're looking at it from the cloud architects perspective the it professionals but also the business decision leaders so when you go to the cloud adoption framework there's a huge raft of information about even just setting and understanding your strategy understanding your motivation so as you were saying before you've even got to the um, you know who's the vendor who how are we going to design it how are we going to migrate it's really understanding the strategy, the business justification, what are the outcomes. And that's kind of where we were talking about, you know, is about landing that really big picture, understanding from the business's perspective. We've got this strategy. What do we do next? So we're then planning. What does this digital estate look like? What's our readiness plan? What's our transformation program look like? Are we going to retain some of that? And as we said, that hybrid world, we're going to move fully to the cloud. And what's that going to look like? What's our timeframes? And then we're going to have to kind of get ourselves ready. So we're having to not just build the infrastructure. I think building the infrastructure, educating people, getting them used to this new ways of working is one thing. Um, but actually, there's a huge amount of education that has to go into um, the business itself in terms of these changing business models, the opportunities, the changing business processes, how they're going to adapt their policies and all of those. And then obviously, there's the, the migration part, there's a the governance. So it's looking at what, what the benchmarks we're utilising, what the best practices. And then if you then overlay, potentially you might have regulatory requirements. So we have a lot of baselines that can people can turn up and down. But to give this a level of simplicity, so as you sort of said, there's a huge amount of information and it might be a little bit overwhelming if you're kind of starting from the very beginning and going all the way through it. So what we've tried to do is we, we've also looked at it from two perspectives. So we've created a number of videos and we've done this from a, an IT professional's perspective. So what is it they need to know, particularly from a security perspective? And then we've created some videos as well, which have kind of talked them through these principles and processes and where to go for information. If you're just the layman, if you're just you know, someone in the business who's got an understanding, needs to be able to explain a lot of these things. So we're trying to look at it from different perspectives. And, and you know, some people are very new to the cloud. This is their first um, time of even thinking about moving to the cloud, right through to those enterprises that have kind of got used to one cloud and they go multi-cloud. <laughs> so then they're dipping their toe all over the place. So, so then it's a really what we're trying to do is, you know, customers don't want to be locked in. They want to be able to move around and to take advantage of all this technology and innovation and all of these type of things. So as much as we're letting them help them to migrate to the cloud, we also want to make it as simple as possible to exit the cloud as well. So obviously, we don't want you to exit from Microsoft. We want you to stay with us. But we want to make, <laughs> sure, <laughs> we want to make sure you have the options. We want to make sure that you've kind of all of these things are built in as standard, you know, in terms of that governance, management, strategy, all of those lovely things we're talking about, really. 
What informed the cloud adoption framework? Is this based on our experiences with customers, our own experiences as Microsoft? Is it uh, based on any particular approaches or frameworks in the security sphere? It's all of the above, actually. So I will probably just to put things into perspective. So Microsoft has more certifications than any other cloud service provider. We have to adopt all of our customers' regulations as well. So when we think about, you know, we have frameworks like NIST, you might have ISO 21001, you've got GDPR, all of these different things. So some of the uh, certificates, some of the controls are very specific to different sectors. They might be specific to different regions or they could be global. So with Microsoft having to comply and certify to all of those standards, by default, and we have to do that to make sure that customers have the right levels of assurance that they can provide to their stakeholders and their regulators. So you think about all of those different certifications that we have to abide by. There's potentially thousands of controls that are, <laughs> that are built in and different standards and all of those type of things. So we try and take all of those things together and then we elevate. So we kind of look at, okay, so we want to make sure that we're being dynamic to all of these different threats and the changing scenarios that we're talking about. We're constantly talking to different regulators and different customers about their challenges. And all of that goes into a big feedback loop. So as I sort of said, there's a huge amount of capability at your disposal in terms of the capabilities that are built in, not just from a security perspective, but also from a compliance perspective. So if you need to be able to make specific data protection controls or be able to give assurances to your regulators or to your customers, we will help you in terms of how to do that. So we're constantly evolving. So some of this is, you know, controls that we have to meet. It's about those best practices practices and we're sharing those best practices all the time constantly refining the technologies the policies the processes and as you've seen with regards to the cloud adoption framework and just the docs.microsoft there's a huge raft of information that we're constantly sharing with customers so that you know they can take the best advantage and the best approach um, in terms of adopting the cloud but doing it in the most efficient way for their business and the future of their business as well. Sarah, I wonder if there are a couple of sort of gotchas or some sort of pitfalls that that you sort of want to call out here when folks are starting this conversation with with leadership and with peers about how to how to adopt the cloud. And maybe the answer is none. Maybe like cloud adoption framework is perfect. If you follow it from the beginning to the end, you'll be you'll be you'll be you'll be sweet. So that's that's an acceptable answer. But I, I do wonder if if maybe, you know, do some folks get a little too sort of excited about one particular area and maybe forget to do some some groundwork? Is there any sort of gotchas that you think folks should sort of just keep in the back of their mind? One thing that probably trips some customers up a little bit is they're trying to take their old world way of doing things. So how they operate in a lockdown on-premise environment is much different to how you operate in the cloud. So they'll try and shoehorn their policies and processes in and, and maybe that doesn't work as well. Or they'll put layers and layers of security in. But ultimately, we're building trust. We're building a trust between 
the cloud, the different environments and all of those type of things. So we do find that um, customers potentially have to go on a bit of a journey with regards to the changes that need to happen and the benefits that they can actually adopt by moving to the cloud. So if it's literally, as we sort of said, moving from A to B, following the same policies and processes the way the way we've always done it, um, you're probably not going to get the most benefit. So I think there's an opportunity to really think about how you can use like DevOps is, is a really good way of you know utilizing the cloud and utilizing it with code and a lot of these built-in best practices. So we'll even give you the best practice in terms of how to spin up a VM, how to actually overlay a lot of the security controls, how to tweak those controls, how to report on them. We even give you some advice and guidance about how to set up your security operations and how you can continue to evolve all of those things. So it probably sounds like we're trying to be all things to all men <laughs> because of the way that we've written it. All no, people. All, all, all people, I should say. Yeah, thank you for that. Being inclusive and, and everything. But I think what we're trying to do is just give that baseline to give you those best practices. But you do have to be able to adapt them to your own business, your own sector. And obviously we have a huge array of partners as well. So it's not just Microsoft. We've got, you know, we have a big partner network that can also assist in terms of, you know, making sure that you can get the very best out of what we're trying to achieve now and into the future, as we said. So if we have a listener today who is thinking about their cloud journey and just starting out on it, what do you recommend they go do now to start preparing? I mean, we've talked about aligning with the business early on, but is there anything else they should be thinking about before they start making some of these decisions? Yeah, I think it's twofold, really, as we sort of said, and we touched on in the, the first episode about aligning the business. You know, that's so important that we're not just making these considerations from a technology perspective. We understand and we're aligning to the risk, the business um, models, the resilient strategy. And then we're overlaying some of those foundation principles that we talked about, particularly with security, making sure that it's built in by design and not an afterthought. So I think the first and foremost, it's, it's really about getting that um, business alignment first and then looking in terms of how we can optimize some of the controls, how we can do better, how we can get the best advantages from what we're trying to do with the cloud itself. Obviously, you as an individual human don't scale to every person out there in security land that might have questions about this. But I wonder what sort of forums exist for people listening to the podcast as Natalia just sort of like framed for us that are like, okay, I think I'm ready to have this conversation with leadership. I'm, I think I'm ready to start talking about adopting the cloud for security or moving some of our security services and functions into the cloud. Obviously, the cloud adoption framework, we'll put that link in the uh, in the show notes. Are there any other places that folks can go to? Are there any sort of micro of communities, you know, can we give people your phone number? Um, what, where, how, how, how else do, do we support sort of customers and, and, and folks sort of thinking about this? 
I think that's probably different different options dependent on maturity. So if you're an existing Microsoft customer, you've got your account managers and, and partners and those type of things that are that you've already got at your disposal. But as you said, we've got a huge amount of communities. So we've got tech communities as well as education. So if you want to get really deep into Sentinel and, and those type of things, we've got um, communities within Microsoft, but we've also got the tech community. So you can actually ask questions of your peers. So you don't always have to come to Microsoft you could, uh, directly. We just have lots of different forums available to, to talk about different technologies or different things. We've got huge amounts of webinars. We've got the security blogs. We've got so much stuff, <laughs> probably got loads of stuff at your disposal. And sometimes it can just be, as you saw, say, ask Microsoft or asking a peer in terms of how to do something. But we also do peer-to-peer conversations as well, lots of roundtables. So if you want to know how you know, a, a customer a competitor even in your industry is doing things and how they're doing it, we can actually help to have those conversations with your peers as well. And I guess if you want to argue about anything you've heard on today's podcast or the cloud adoption framework, you can also find you on Twitter, Sarah, is that right? <laughs> Twitter and LinkedIn, yeah. But hopefully you won't want to argue. You'll just you'll agree with everything you said because <laughs> yeah, it's cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah Armstrong-Smith, thank you again for your time on Security Unlocked. I think this was a fantastic part two to the conversation on how to talk cybersecurity to non-cybersecurity people. Again, we'll have all those links in the show notes, but I'm pretty sure we'll be talking to you at some point in the future back on the podcast again. Sarah, thanks for your time. Fabulous. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Natalia. Well, we had a great time unlocking insights into security from research to artificial intelligence. Keep an eye out for our next episode. And don't forget to tweet us at MSFT Security or email us at securityunlocked at Microsoft.com with topics you'd like to hear on a future episode. Until then, stay safe. Stay secure. This week on Uncovering Hidden Risks, we explore how you can use a cloud-native application protection platform to solve different challenges. Be sure to listen in and follow us at uncoveringhiddenrisks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.